0: What is up and welcome in? It's another edition of Ten Thousand Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing for episode one hundred and fifty-three, and alongside me, as always, the man himself, the lower league uh, czar of, the... so, um,
1: if you will, Mister Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh, two 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 quick notes. I want to open the show on one is just a. Uh... Thanks to all the people that checked out the, the serious ballers are yes. really, really cool to see that article do um, do pretty well um, traffic wise from what I saw and, and just, you know, n- nice to see people check that one out, saw some interaction from um, other professionals that aren't a part of serious ballers, which is kind of cool um, and, and all that. So uh, thanks everybody for that. And then the other thing that is very much on my mind that we won't really talk about on the show today, but is. Uh, we've got fall sports ramping up for for high school. Um, exciting exciting times for a lot of people. Obviously, soccer one of those. Uh, definitely encourage people to um, keep an eye on their their local school. Whether you went there, you have a kid there now. You know what whatever your connection is. You know, keep an eye on how their sports teams are doing and how you can support those teams uh, if you have the the resources to do so. Um, but uh, yeah, really exciting. Stuff kind of going on all over the state, ramping up here for for the fall season. So that's very much on my mind, yeah. but but uh, also looking forward to to tapping into some Minnesota United and some other things today.
0: Yeah, a lot to get to. Not only on the loons front, but even though the lower league seasons are over, there's still a lot of news as it relates to uh, community soccer players and teams within the the Minnesota soccer community as well. So a lot to get to on that end. So make sure you stay it you're stay tuned into the entire episode uh this week we are of course presented by sodasoccer.com s-o-t-a-soccer.com your home for soccer coverage in the north check us out there make sure you're subscribing to us here on the podcast feed um us you know when we drop a new episode a new interview a new edition of post loans things like that so make sure you're checking us out there you can also follow us on the socials at sodasoc uh mainly twitter and instagram there um you can also take that next step and directly support our work as well on patreon Patreon patreon.com slash soda soccer for as low as $3 per month. All right, jumping in the headlines, down, I'm obviously going to start with Minnesota United and obviously going to start with the most lopsided results, one of the most lopsided results. It's the only 5-0 loss that Minnesota United has ever had, according to John Marth- Martholli. They obviously lost 6-1 on, uh, on the, in the snowponer back in 2017 to Atlanta. Uh, so I guess this would be tied for differential-wise, the biggest loss in, uh, in Minnesota United history. Uh, since they at least jumped to MLS that is, but uh, the only five no loss in their MLS history as well as Nashville thumps the loons and bounces them from the league's cup in the quarterfinals. Um, This all started with DJ Taylor receiving a, what some are calling a questionable red card in the first half that put the loons down to 10 men. Um, I I don't know the rule here, Dom, because Mm. if the rule is, if there is incidental contact, between a player, between two players inside the box as one is in on goal, even if that if that contact is unintentional, then it's considered a dogzo, then then I think the official made the right call. Because there was contact, okay. but it was not intentional. However, the fact that it is not intentional does leave a sour taste in a lot of Minnesota United fans' mouths, considering obviously the way things snowballed afterwards. Um, I want to – you – you are a much better soccer mind in general than me, Dom. So I want to get—I want to get your your take on on this DJ Taylor red card and how you you kind of saw this. Um.
1: Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a complicated one. To, to your point, I think that you could feel strongly either way about this call, based very much on on where things fall and a relatively thin line. So, I mean, I I firmly believe that is by all means capable of committing a foul without intending to. That's certainly yeah. a fact, right? And I don't yeah. think I don't think many people would argue with that. Um, I, I guess the debate is whether or not this specific situation would warrant uh, that kind of punishment. It certainly felt like a light call for me, in the sense that you know, I, I certainly think that in there are areas of the pitch where DJ Taylor could have done what he'd done and the ref would never call it.
0: Correct. There, there are plenty of instances where players get tripped
1: up. Right. Just right. incidentally, and the, the whistle doesn't blow. What I would say is it admittedly puts the referee in a very difficult spot when that same sort of, you know, the word you use, incidental, I think that's a, a fair word to use, incidental contact causes a player to um, not be able to maintain their run with the ball in on goal, you do, you know, I can understand how the referee would feel in that situation. Well, I have to do something Mm -hmm. Um, because opposition, opposite, why am I saying that? Opposition defender um, through his physical actions, intentional or not, is stopping a goal from happening. Correct.
0: a goal scoring opportunity.
1: So, I mean, in that that line of thinking does leave me saying, it, it's fair to call it that way. I think if the ref hadn't called it that way, there's an argument for that. Um, I think it's one of those ones. I, I, I'm forgetting the, the last episode. We there was a call, uh, not the same kind of call, but there was a call that we were talking about. Um, if you you know, if 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 the call hadn't been made, VAR wouldn't have changed. I forget what we were talking about, but it, it, it was. It's one of those calls where. Either way you call it, you can probably defend um, through the process. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, it's unfortunate for Minnesota because, especially because of how early it was, it truly puts them in an almost impossible position for the game. And of course, the scoreline reflects how much of a hill they had to climb uh, or didn't climb uh, af- after that call. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the referee made the wrong call, I just think he chose the harsher of the two options that he had in a very gray area sort of situation, uh, for a Minnesota United perspective. Uh, I think DJ Taylor on a, on his best day would have not made the move mm-hmm. he made. Uh, and even though it's incidental, it's still, you know, I mean, it's, it's irresponsible move, physical yeah. move in and around the box. Um, So, I mean, I guess to answer your original question, just, I I think it's, I think that there were, I think it's a correct call. I don't think it's the only possible correct call, but I think it is a correct call.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And again, we kind of just, we kind of mentioned this, but any other area of the pitch, it's at very worst, um, a a harmless foul, right? But when, and I believe it was Schaffelberg, who is in on goal here, Um, Jacob Schaffelberg? Yeah, who is in on goal here for Nashville? When the attacker is in on goal on his own, a harmless foul is still a dogzo in a red card. Like it, you know, it's just it, the the right. the positioning on the field matters so much and, and has so many more stakes when it is the way it is in that particular situation. That, yeah, it's hard to like. Raise my fist and go to the streets with the pitchforks and be like, ah, was right. a terrible call that cost Minnesota United a semifinal spot in the Leagues Cup and all this. It's hard for me to do that, but it's also hard for me to look at that and not feel a little like, oh, that might have, that was, that seemed a little harsh for how early in the match it was and how much it just changed the complexion of the match. So there are those two sides sort of working against each other there. Uh, When I'm, when I look at this, but in any case uh, does put the loons down to 10 men just past the half hour mark. And then Nashville goes on to score five goals in a 20 minute span. The first goal came in the 39th. The fifth goal came in the 59th. Um, That's uh, you know, that's, I mean, it just, it just became a, a dam that just broke at that point. And uh, Minnesota couldn't really do much to stop it. Nashville is is a very potent attack, obviously, with Sam Surge coming in. um, he adds, adds a new element to this attack that that gives him just an even much greater sense of danger. And uh, Minnesota felt felt the weight of that after going down to ten men. And you know you have a brand new left back there and Ethan Bristow. Uh, who's playing? who knows what what Taylor was was dealing with with his face and and if there are any re uh, you know uh, lingering issues from that, um, but in any case, it's you go down to ten men, you lose five 0 Um, Adrian Heath was not happy with the defensive performance after he hadn't had a chance to look at the red card look at the red card back, so he didn't have an opinion on it. but his his words, basically after the game, and I'm paraphrasing here, were, um, you know, we didn't exactly lose because of the red card. We lost because of poor defensive of of, a, of poor defensive performance. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else we can really say about this. Do you have any other – from a 5-0 no loss, it's hard to really, like, look in and analyze. But sure. uh, do you have any other thoughts on this one?
1: Um, I would just say uh, – and by the way, this this next sentence might be on a bingo card somewhere because it's not necessarily always my uh, position on this show – Uh, But I completely agree with Adrian Heath's comments. I mean, I I don't think that the red card obviously sets up a very difficult game. But in terms of the 5-0 specifics of the loss, I mean, some of those goals were just defended very casually. Yep, correct. Uh, When, you know, substitutions had been made to make it so the back half of the field was fully manned. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the defending just in and around the box was just you know, I mean, I use the word casual. I don't necessarily mean that it, in a literal sense in terms of the player's intent, but in terms of comparing it to what you would expect from these players and what it looks like to the eye watching and the intensity of a professional Saturday, it came off as very low key and casual sometimes. The amount of space, the kinds of runs that were being allowed um, by defenders that you would normally expect more of. You know, I, I think that, I mean, obviously, has as much to do with the result as anything else. And that, is not a factor that is entirely created by mm-hmm. Taylor's red card. It is assisted by his red card to some extent. but you know you put another defender on, by the way, one that has more experience. Um, and you, you don't necess- that doesn't mean that by default the defensive quality is going to drop. So um, that you know that, that was a little uh, unfortunate to watch. Uh, and, and so I, I do agree with that the sort of the essence of that comment from Adrian Heath that the red card certainly is a huge factor in the result, but it might be a little, um, it might be letting some, some performances off a little easy to say that it is the root entire cause of of the loss.
0: Correct. Uh, And and I'm with you there. Just looking back, if you just go back and watch the highlights of the Nashville goals, you can see that um, Minnesota, the intensity of their defending just kind of didn't have that same level. Um, that it that it normally does um and look i mean they were they've been playing matches every three days basically since right. the end of the group stage of this tournament so not that you're excusing it uh in any sense but you're not getting the same rest between games that you normally would be during uh during an MLs uh normal mls slate even when they were playing you know eight games in 31 days or whatever it was uh, in may uh it still ne- wasn't necessarily that intensity where they're traveling every third day and then coming back and then training and then traveling and then come back and then training and traveling. So um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's sort of new, it was new waters for Minnesota and for everybody in this tournament for that matter. And um, you know, I, I think kind of the, the wind was just taken out of the sails uh, for good uh, there early on in that, in that Nashville match in a way that they couldn't really recuperate. Um, but now we look ahead back to MLS play. This feels like forever since we've had uh, the Loons play an actual Major League Soccer match, but they will on Sunday at Yankee Stadium against NYCFC. It's a 6.30 Central Time kickoff. And as we sort of reset now, Dom, and we look at the standings, Minnesota 10th in the West, one point back of a playoff spot. But as you and I have kind of said, you want to avoid that eight or nine spot as much as humanly possible. To me, the, the playoff line sort of, to me, begins at, at the seven spot. Because you do not want to play a best of three in the first round, you just do not. Um, so they're three points back of that of that seven spot, uh, which would get them that the avoiding that play in scenario. Um, and you have you have a you know new defensive reinforcements. You gotta have some shuffling around with Kamar Lawrence. Uh, going away. Obviously you have Jan Gregosh who will be available on Sunday for the first time as well, who was spotted training with Roman Metnair, uh, presumably at Sirius Ballers, uh, which was kind of uh, kind of fun to see and kind of a good tie into your article, Dom, uh, this uh, this past week. So uh, but in any case I, I think you know, the Leagues Cup was fun. Minnesota made a good run to the quarterfinal, but obviously the big goal of this season is to make the playoffs and see if they can make a deeper run in the playoffs than they had the last couple of years. And that sort of resets on, on Sunday. Um, what's sort of the, I don't know, I don't know if priority is the best word, but sort of what are you looking for from this Minnesota United team down the stretch that maybe we haven't seen and it sort of has led them to be on the outside looking in as we have about, I believe, 12 games left for Minnesota in the regular season?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I guess at least for these first couple of games back into league play, I think the question mark, and by the way, I think there's a question mark with us with several teams that participated in Leeds Cup. Uh, the question for me is, are we going to see the positives of the Leeds Cup performances translate into league play? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were multiple teams that performed better in Leeds Cup than they had recently been performing in league play. I would say Minnesota United was, was one of them um and and so the question is you know when you look at some of the uh the goal scoring and chance creation that we were seeing in good form uh during leeds cup you know Juan juane's goal rates uh things like that some of the confidence we saw from certain players um the the question for me and i think most people is is that going to then translate back into lead play are we going to be seeing that week in week out in mls um if minnesota united can do that if they can get that same form uh this five no loss to nashville largely aside because it, of the unique situations of the game uh then i say that they're in a good position to re- put up a real fight to make sure they get a playoff spot and like you said particularly a good playoff spot where mm-hmm. they don't have to play this gauntlet of hell that the <laughs> three game play in is yeah. um You know, I I think that if they can bring in the better side of their Leeds Cup form, that all of a sudden becomes a very realistic target. What would be disappointing is if we see them return to league play and we don't see that. If that sort of whatever you want to call it, cup run energy is gone and we're back to some of the more complicated, uh, at times negative performances that we saw in league play before the break, Uh, that I think would be a very intense turn that I think would catch a lot of eyes. So hopefully that has not happened. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking for is and by the way, I think it's again what a lot of teams are looking for is is this team doing well in these three, four Leeds Cup games going to mean that they have that same sort of energy in MLS and we have to wait and find out.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, looking at these final games of of the 12 games that Minnesota United have left, seven are at home um, and they actually have a quite a big run of home games four and five matches between august 27th and september 16th so um obviously they've been a better home team or excuse me a better road team than they've been a home team so far this season but obviously you you would hope that over the longer sample size the home results would would start to uh to to show themselves and a lot of opportunities to do that down the stretch here i think if you Average seven wins in these last 12 games, whether they come from some combination of at home or on the road, I think you put yourself in a really good position um, to be where you want to be standings wise at the end of the year. Um, I think there's a lot been made about Timu Pukki's lack of production uh, early on for Minnesota. And I would say, while that is the case while you do bring a striker in to score goals. I would also uh, kind of rebut that by saying he is being very active. He's making runs. He's pulling defenders, which leave openings for guys like Ray and Bongi to sort of do their thing and and fill up the score sheet themselves. So I do think Pookie has been a net positive so far. But I, I obviously you want to see the goals come from him. He's had opportunities, um, hasn't quite hit the mark, but but you see him doing the work necessary. Where you know he's hopefully that the goals start to show themselves kind of the way uh, uh, two completely different players and two completely different parts of their careers. But in a sense, kind of similar to what we saw with Bongi last last year, and even early on this season where he was doing all the work, he was doing everything, but putting the ball in the back of the net. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the goals started to come. Um, I I think kind of Pookie's in that, in that pre breakout phase of his Minnesota United career. And you, you you have to, you know, this is one of this is one of his first times. I think maybe his first time playing professionally outside of Europe. Um, yeah. So you know, it's a bit of an adjustment for him. It's and not to make excuses, but um, I've seen more positive than negative from Pookie, I guess, from my vantage point so far. And that's kind of all I wanted to say because I have seen some uh, some discussion online in the Reddit threads and obviously on Twitter as well about um, you know his his performance so far. So um, that's one of the things I'm going to be looking for is him continuing that, but also maybe starting to starting to bag a few himself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with kind of both of the takes that you had there. One, one being that, yeah, I mean, obviously, it would be great if everybody was scoring more goals, yeah. um, including him. Um, I, I would say just to folks who maybe are feeling like, well, what's going on here? You know, this isn't what we were. Another told striker who doesn't score goals yeah. for
0: Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> right,
1: and I by all means would be one to point that out. But I, I, what I would say is when you actually watch the team, in my opinion, I see a player that is actively helping other players score, not in not in the sort of um, Ray assist-making way, but more so in how he's forcing the other team to react to yeah. him. Uh, mm-hmm. The way that he's pulling defenders, the way he's creating space for other players. I mean, I don't think it's some magical coincidence that some player, you know, Bonky, for example, has hit a really nice scoring streak recently while playing with him. He scored seven I, goals in the, right. in the league's cup. <laughs> right. I, I do think yeah. that he is creating, he is doing things for the attack of Minnesota United that are very useful. It's just not score sheet stuff. Uh, which admittedly is what you usually buy strikers for. And it would be great if he would start to do that more, but I'm not concerned about him not being helpful. Um, He seems plenty helpful to me. It's just maybe not helpful the way that people were assuming when they got, you know, the guy that couldn't stop scoring for Norwich for five years or whatever. But um, I I wouldn't be surprised if with time that, that comes to fruition uh, as, as he gets more used to the team yep, and so again, that is Sunday, 6 thirty p.m Central time,
0: loons at NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. Um I haven't seen if, th- if this is an FS one broadcast given it's Sunday night, uh, but at the very least, you'd be able to watch it on MLS season pass. Uh, you probably would rather watch it on MLS season pass anyways. Uh, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Uh, okay, um, uh, some uh, non score or match related news uh, from Minnesota United, Cameron Dunbar. Loaned to USL Championship side Orange County SC for the remainder of the 2023 season. Um, not too surprising here, given that that Dunbar has really not really been a focal point of the first team. He's been playing mostly second team minutes, doing pretty well for him in UFC too as well. Uh, but one thing I wrote in the Loons Daily newsletter this morning is that with MLS Next Pro being very much in its infancy um Adrian Heath has been very open in saying that he he very much prefers his players that that need the minutes that needs sort of a a most comparable league to play into MLS that USL championship is that league right now you know you, it's it's more established you have more pro ready players in that league who are not all 21 you know 21 uh and and younger um so you know and obviously, we've seen it pay dividends uh, on multiple occasions. Obviously, Tanya Louche is leading the USL Championship Golden Boot race right now with 13 goals and 14 appearances, which is pretty crazy. Um, you had Dane St. Clair, who spent some time with San Antonio FC uh, a few years back in 2020, I believe, and uh, the early part of 2020, and he, you know, that obviously played a big factor in uh, his development and becoming the goalkeeper that you know he has become for Minnesota United. So there's been this really good relationship and really good sort of uh, success with Minnesota United players being loaned out to the USL championship. And uh, obviously, I think we're all, we're all hoping that that Cam Dunbar is going to be another one of those eventual success stories.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, unfortunately, I mean, it's not even a huge unfortunate, but unfortunately, I think, you know, when he came into the team, he was in a little bit of that Quagmire situation of, I don't think any of the parties involved were quite sure how he was going to fit into the plan in the short term, as far as whether or not this was going to be a first team guy, whether or not Mm -hmm. this is going to be a bench guy, whether or not this is going to be someone beyond the bench. And there's been a process obviously happening to determine that to some, at some point it's, you know, become more of a beyond the bench situation. And as you said, if you have a player like him who prior to arriving here was mostly playing in the USL championship back when i uh, second teams were still in it. Gotcha. Um, you know, you you don't, it's not really a solution to the problem to just throw that die into what is essentially a very high level youth development league mm-hmm. um, where he's not going to, he's not even going to be pay, playing against people anywhere near the level of the last place he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so while, you know, some of the, you know, because he came here when, you know, Jackson was leaving and there, you know, all the dynamics of it, it does make it all feel very, like, jumbled. But I, I do think in the end that it's probably a good move. Uh, it's going to get him minutes against the kinds of players you want him to be playing against if you want him to be ready to then shift in for 30 minutes in MLS. Um, as you said, Minnesota United's been pretty good in the last couple of years of finding good loan spots in the championship for its players. Uh, this year and in the past, and you know St. Clair as a yeah, a great example, kind of reinvigorated his his uh career a little bit with a short run with San Antonio and then ever since then has basically been contending or holding the starting spot. Um yeah, Tani Louis Shea, obviously doing amazing things in San Antonio. So uh yeah, I you know it 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 From a wide shot, it does feel like, oh man, like another turn in this road with his first year here. But overall, I think it's probably a good move that hopefully in a year and a half or something will look like a big payoff when he's more prepared to come back and and maybe play more minutes in MLS.
0: Yeah, I think having a, a Cam Dunbar in house is is obviously a, a positive. He's 20 years old. He's a homegrown contracted player, which gives you a little bit more flexibility. He's shown a huge upside in the past with his time in USL Championship, even in the sparse minutes that he got in previous seasons with the LA Galaxy first team. So you know he's shown to be a high potential player. And so if you have the opportunity to bring a guy like Cameron Dunbar in, you're going to do it, even if you don't necessarily, like you said, have a plan to integrate him and put him on the field for the first team for a significant amount of minutes over the next year or two. Um, and hopefully again, this, this alone spell to orange County for the rest of the 2023 season will be something that will uh, continue his development. And, you know, maybe come 2024, he'll be, he'll be ready to sort of compete for one of those attacking midfield spots. You also have to think about the the spot in which Dunbar plays on this team um, and, and how that factors into his playing time or lack thereof. Cause I mean, he's, a, he's a natural number 10 right. who plays number 10 for Minnesota United, <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Okay. Let's go to the right wing. Well, your top goal scorer plays on the right wing. Okay. Let's go to the left wing where you have Fragapane and Sung and Russell Rosales and, you know, all these options. So um, it, it, he just, he, I think he needs some time to develop, but he, I think he also needs some time for a kind of a spot to open up for him to take advantage of on this first team roster as well. Um and Given he is so young, it may take a year or two for that to really happen. So um, I think getting him minutes in the championship right now is is a overall a a good, a good decision, and uh, I'm interested to see how he does in uh, Orange
1: County. Yeah, absolutely. Wishing him the best of luck there, and um, yeah, hopefully you know in a season or two we can we can see a lot more of him in the Loom shirt. And
0: hopefully we can see you with Pence home signs in your yard. If you are looking to buy or sell a new home, that's because our friends over at Pence homes are are really making ever, not even just soccer fans, anybody who's looking to buy or sell a home. If they've worked with Pence homes, they have been very happy uh, with the experience that they've had and very happy with either the new home that they are coming into what they were able to sell their old home for, or both because Penn Solms is able to help you maximize each part of the process and take a lot of that stress that comes with it off of your shoulders. It's impossible to remove all that stress because if anybody's been through it, it's, uh, it's not easy. But what Penn Solms is there to do is guide you through the process, um, use their team and their technology to make it uh, you know as easy as humanly possible for you to get into the new home of your dreams within budget and obviously sell your old home for top dollar if you're doing that as well. So whether you're a first time buyer or you're selling and buying at the same time, Pence Homes can help you out. So hit them up, p-e-n-t-z-homes.com. They help, you know, I, you see, if you just go to Nate Pence's Twitter, you can see kind of all the homes that they've uh, they've listed. It's everywhere around the Twin Cities. So you just don't have, you, you don't just have to be in the Metro. You could be where I am in Cottage Grove. You could be in Maple Grove. You could be in Oakdale. You could be in, you know, Bloomington, Lakeville, doesn't matter. Uh, Pence Homes can help you out. P-E-N-T-Z, homes.com. If you're buying or selling in the Twin Cities, hit them up, that initial conversation, that, that initial consultation, it's free to have. costs you nothing. So go do your due diligence there. P-E-N-T-Z, homes.com. Or if you want to email Nate directly, you can do that, N-A-T-E, at pennshomes.com. Big thanks to our friends over at Pence Homes and specifically Nate over at Pence Homes for help and support. SodaSoccer.com and the 10,000 Pitches Pod. All right, speaking of MNUFC 2, we kind of touched on them a little bit with the Cameron Dunbar conversation. They beat St. Louis City 2 in a shootout to earn two points and as a, from a four-goal game to remain in the playoff race. Uh, they're now sixth in the Western Conference after that uh, after that result. Cameron Lacey got the equalizer for the Loons in the 18th minute, just minutes after they conceded the opener. And then that's his eighth goal of the year already, which is pretty crazy to think about. He was a later addition to this team. And uh, then Malik Jesse Khan scored his third goal of the season in the 40th minute to make it 2 one St. Louis city did end up equalizing down the stretch to send it to that PK shootout where Fred Emmings made two saves and led Minnesota to that shootout victory. Um, let's jump in right, right into lower league and community news here, Dom though. Okay. Um, college is getting the ball rolling here in the coming week as division one soccer action returns to Minnesota. Gophers get to work with three games this week against Niagara at home on August 17th, New Hampshire at home on August 20th. And then they're away at UW Milwaukee on August 24th, where the Tommy women host Northern Iowa and Niagara on August 17th and 19th, respectively. And then Tommy men get going next week, shoveling to Northwestern on August 24th. This is sort of that time where, you know, we had the little bit of the calm in the community soccer <laughs> scene between like the, oh. the end of July to here. But it's crazy that it's only like a three week break. <laughs> and oh, then yeah. all of a sudden the college seasons start back up again. And if you think about the players who were playing this summer, um, and then all of a sudden now they really just got to go right back to it and transition in their fall college seasons as well. Um, but obviously, uh excitement abounds for another D uh you know year of D1 action. Uh is looking to build off some really good. Uh, off of some really good things last year on the women's side and then St. Thomas on both sides, obviously we're, we're monitoring their continued growth um, as uh, you know, they look to continue their ascent up the summit league uh, ranks as uh, you know, they continue in, uh, in their division one livelihoods or, or whatever you want to call it there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's exciting to have college soccer back As, as you do know that that turnover is pretty quick. I think anybody listening who happens to have any, uh, insight into what things are like behind the scenes at lower league clubs will know that especially if you made the playoffs that last stretch is a lot of phone calls from college coaches uh wondering when their guys are going to be back yep uh and and hoping that uh your team season ends as soon as possible um but you know that's (laughs) it's it's sort of like this college age version of like the you know international break to club dynamic or whatever you know it's just Sort of quick turnover thing. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, excited to have this back. Excited to see the D1 game, you know, continue to grow in Minnesota. Of course, also a lot of great D2 and D3 schools. But uh, like you said, that Gopher program that has been so, uh, you know, fun to follow these last few years, really looking forward to seeing what they can bring in 2023. Yeah. With St. Thomas, that project continuing to develop, you know, having its, its highs and lows over the last two years, but certainly plenty of highs and certainly plenty of good signs. Uh, Very curious to see what what year three looks like for them, for both teams. A lot of talent in those teams. A lot of actually both the the St. Thomas teams providing a lot of talent for lower league clubs this summer as well uh, in the area. Um, So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing what uh, all three of those D1 teams can bring. And, of course, curious what D2 and D3 brings us as well. Absolutely.
0: Now... We kind of saw Minnesota Aurora make a couple announcements this week on on players going pro. Abby Ostrom being one of the latest version of that today as we're recording. She's actually joining uh, Kenzie Langdok over in Serbia, but Dom, you have compiled a list here. <laughs> um, I can
1: read this off, by the way, if you want. See, <laughs> I'm going to let you read it off.
0: But this is, I think, this is what separates. Soda Soccer and equal time, equal time soccer. By the way, got to got got to give them a hat tip for this too. But like these, like grassroots media entities that that strive to cover soccer, um, you know, across the board in the state. This is the this is a, just a prime example of the kind of content you're going to get from these outlets that you're not going to get anywhere else. So these are players who are either from Minnesota or have spent significant time here recently. Again, are Minnesota and Minnesota adjacent um you know uh comrades here um have been recently signed for their first pro contracts and so dom i'm going to let you sort
1: of take this list away here yeah for sure so we'll give this list and we'll we'll kind of note twitch some of the minnesota connection and then we'll obviously say where they're going and as another caveat to this list these this is a list of the folks that are getting those sort of those first bid contracts there's been some mm-hmm. other people who have d- been doing great things, who have renewed contracts recently. Like I know Morgan Turner uh, signed her second pro contract. She's going to Croatia now. Been other, you know, obviously early in the year, you had some, some Minnesotans like uh, Daniel DeLeo and Michael Vane signed second contract. So there's those people out there too. But this is uh, this is that list of, of first first year pros that have signed in sort of the last two weeks. Uh, so yeah, uh, Emily Bunnell, Minnesota native, former gopher. She is signing for Albergaria. Al- in Portugal, that's a first division team over in Portugal. Jenny Vetter, another Minnesota native, MSU alum, she signed for Racing Power in Portugal as well. Portugal uh, overall actually has been a, a very common landing point, it seems, for uh, Minnesotan women doing pro, which is not kind of interesting to see. I know Equal Time mentioned they looked through the calendar when people were going to be playing each other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um couple uh, sort of Minnesota adjacent players here. You got Kosha Demaratsky, who played for Duluth FC the last two years. He's Signed for LA Force of Nisa, uh, was on the bench for their last game about a week ago. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised if he maybe features this coming weekend. Uh, There's Ken Pride, who uh, is a former Duluth FC player, but also has closer ties to Minnesota through the College of Saints, Alaska, which he uh, attended for four years. Uh, He has signed for Stallion Laguna in the first division in the Philippines. Ken is uh, both British and Filipino, uh, so that's kind of the connection there. Very exciting for him going over there. Uh, you have Leo Anthony, uh, who kind of came to Minnesota through the lower league scene. He's played for a couple teams, He's played for FC Minneapolis, Valora for a while. Uh, and he assigned for uh, Raynon United in the third division in Thailand as a professional team in Thailand.
0: Is that the same division that um, uh, that Kapaw was in? Yep. The Kapaw 2 is in? Okay.
1: Yep. Yep. So same sort of level there. Uh, different team, but same sort of level. Uh, you have Jada Brown, who was a player for Rochester FC this year. She is uh, from Belize, but she played the season with Rochester FC. She has signed for Gornik uh, Lexna in Poland. Big deal for her. Um, I know the, the kind of a big deal for the Federation, actually, is my understanding. Um, uh, and then two more Aurora players, or three more Aurora players. Uh, Ariana Del Moral. Uh, has uh, signed for, oh boy, how do you say this? Burkurkura, FC in Malta. It's a first division team in Malta. She, of course, uh, you know, leaves essentially a veteran for Aurora, a two year veteran. Mm-hmm. And then, like you mentioned, Mackenzie Landock and Abby Orstrom uh, both uh, uniting at Serbian side Spartak uh, Subotica uh, mm-hmm. in the first division in Serbia. So, yeah, a lot of, mo- I mean, if you combine that with some of the, Second year of people I mentioned before. You combine that with the four people, four Minnesotans pulled in the MLS Super Draft um, earlier this year. And it's, it's a really been a really positive year, I think, for Minnesota, uh, either through you know native Minnesota or you know moved to Minnesota talent in terms of making that that jump up. I mean, you know, you combine all those. That's like fifteen players, uh, sort of making big early career steps. So that's really really awesome to see. Really exciting to see really cool to see a lot of these players have different connections to different lower league teams. There's, there's Duluth FC, Valora, Minneapolis city, Aurora connections, obviously a lot of different, uh, colleges as well that they're all kind of connected to. So just great to see a, a, a really nice sort of healthy group generation for 2023, uh, make the jump for, uh, two professional soccer. So congrats to all of these players for, for that and best of luck with their debut seasons.
0: And to continue to sort of amplify a conversation that we've had numerous times on, on this podcast, Dominic, you just see all the different pathways that are opening up for people who are coming through different, just just different ways, different paths through this, this local soccer scene, whether Absolutely. it's through the club scene, then you play for a semi-pro team, whether it's through the lower league scene, um, you know, it's just, you, you see players from all different backgrounds, all different paths to this point. S- signing to play professional soccer somewhere for sure. And that is so incredibly cool to see. I mean, you just look at these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 names. You see almost six or seven different paths to yeah. professional soccer here, which is wild.
1: Yeah. And then I, you know, two things. Um, what one is, you know, we, we, talk, I think uh, during the super draft uh, talked about, you know, the, the kinds of players that are being represented in these, these big moves, and continuing with this list, it's it's a list of, of people that come from all different walks of life. It's, uh, you know, the children of immigrants. It's longtime Minnesotans. It's different cultures, different backgrounds, which is always great to see. But also, I mean, you, you can't ignore the the obvious sort of big thing. You notice you look at this list and you look at the amount of women that are going pro with Minnesota connections or from Minnesota. And that's really awesome to see. Um, that, unfortunately, has been, you know, probably the front that. There's been, you know, the least immediate progress in more women from Minnesota getting that professional opportunity. Uh, you know, obviously there's been the folks that have made it, Morgan Turner, Annie Williams, but that's a difficult uh, wall to break through. So to see so many get that first contract in this summer window uh, is is really cool. It's a huge credit to the teams that have helped them develop at the club and college level and high school level, obviously as well. Um, so I mean, that that's really cool and. You think of, you know, you know, obviously a lot of these players, a lot of the women on this list play for Minnesota Aurora. You think of the crowds that show up to Minnesota Aurora and you hear all these stories of, you know, parents talking to their daughters about like, hey, look what these women are doing. Isn't this cool? And, you know, the opportunity and may, ha- having girls feel motivated by that, which is obviously very important. But then you think how even more motivating, how even more inspiring it can be then when they can then watch those women that they watch play for this, you know, basically semi-professional team, then make this jump where they're going all over the world to play professionally, uh, and these are women from, you know, where you know YZ and Brooklyn Park and and Bloomington, wherever you know, all over the place, all over Minnesota. Um, that that is really cool. You can only imagine the impact they'll have on on some of the people that especially follow them closely. So, um, yeah. I think that uh, another another big step in that continued process of Minnesota talent being valued correctly, being uh, scouted and represented correctly, uh, and getting the opportunities they deserve. Hundred percent.
0: Can't think of a better way to end this week's show on. Um, he's Dominic Azevedo. I'm Jeremy Rushing. This has been an episode of the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast feed. If you have not, make sure you leave us a rating and review. If you have not as well, if you want to go to that next step and directly support what we're doing, you can go to patreon.com slash sodasoccer and lend that support for as low as $3 per month. Again, Minnesota United and NYCFC on Sunday, back to MLS play for the Loons, and then Dom and I will be back for another episode of 10K next Friday. See you guys later. Bye.